Being Black in America comes with its challenges. However, we understand that enlightenment through education is the oppressor's worst fear. By bridging the gap between academia and the people, our purpose is to equip you with knowledge that breaks down barriers during your journey towards truth and freedom. Welcome to the Black and Highly Dangerous Podcast. Yeah, Dev, what's going on? What's going on? How you been? Uh, been pretty good. This is the last week of data collection before spring break. Um, so just trying to push through before I get a little rest next week. Yeah, oh, same here. Yeah, I got um, spring break coming up too. I know we talked about that last podcast. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I've been busy with, uh, it's like midterms as well, mm-hmm. in the middle of semester. So I've been grading a lot of midterm papers and midterm evaluations and then also getting students registered for classes next semester. So it's been kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it'll continue this upcoming week, but then spring break. So take that yeah. nice yeah. <laughs> vacation. See, I was lucky. I got a little mini getaway this past weekend in Orlando. Uh, so that oh, kind of nice. rejuvenated me a bit. The sun, because it's been cold. And <laughs> That's <here>. true. <laughs> uh, so that rejuvenated me. Now I'm just like Saturday, Saturday. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Getting a little sun. That is true. When I think about it, I was like, I don't know if I've seen that much sun lately. Or like, you know, it felt the sun rays. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, have you ever heard of like seasonal depression? Like how when you don't see the sun, it actually really has a an effect on your mood. Yeah, I've heard of stuff like that. Yeah. I know in some places, I can't remember where that don't get a lot of sunlight. They have like special lamps or something like that to like wow. imitate sun rays yeah. um but but yes yeah, that's some real stuff yeah. so I'm glad I know we needed that in Lafayette <laughs> yes yeah, that's definitely true Ooh, that cold man I never forget that I always tell people man like that wind I never forget that that's something about Lafayette for sure that Indiana wind that wind chill mm-hmm. that, that hits any exposed skin that, that hurts so bad yeah definitely um, um, but all right, we got some old Lord news ready to rock. Yeah, we got a little bit. We got a little bit this week. All right, let's get into it. Hello, and welcome to BHD News, where we give you the most current and eye-opening old Lord news of the week. Join us as we present news that'll make you want to say. Okay, so I, you know, I have to hurry. You heard about the 16 uh, count indictment against Jesse Smollett? Mm-hmm. 16. 16 for each lie he told. Oh, wow. That's what it's for? I think that, that's I was what. wondering, like, dang, what he do 16? But yeah, 16 lies. Okay. Yeah. And I think, you know, he said that it was kind of overkill. You know, I've noticed a lot of people who are like, yes, he should be held accountable. But, you know, we didn't even hold, was it Laquan McDonald? Who got 16 shots? Who got shot 16 times by Chicago police officers? Yeah, they didn't return yeah. anything? Uh-huh. It was McDonald, I believe. Yeah. And so it's just kind of like, come on, y'all. Y'all doing a whole lot. Yeah, you they're doing the most. Yourselves accountable. And now, now the police officers want to do their job when somebody, somebody lied. Yes, <laughs> that's wild. Oh, yeah. So, um, just you know, wanted to mention that because. And I've seen a lot of other um, critique about this too. Like, 
you know, all these, all the stories we've done, like call, uh, like wild black when people call the police officers and be lying or fabricating stories and be like, people are saying, where's the penalty for these folks, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that are doing essentially the same thing, um, which is true in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so for our next story, um, so I guess a private school teacher wanted to continue her Black History Month lessons. Um, a private school teacher in Westchester County, New York, decided to teach students about, you know, chattel slavery. Um, and she did so by having a mock auction in her class. And during the auction, she had white students to buy their black clothes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Come on, y'all. This is crazy. Oh, goodness. Oh, oh man. I'm sure that's not to go over well. Did the student, did they say anything like the, at least as far as the black students, they went along with it? Or how old were they? Does it say? Uh, fifth grade, fifth grade. Yeah, that's wild. It's funny because even I think about like I, for um, one of my classes, my race, crime and punishment class, I have students, they present each week and they have to do an activity. So but I screen the activities, you know, I tell them to send them the day before so I can OK it or not. Mm-hmm. And so the one time there was students who were like trying to do like this role play uh, of like slavery and stuff along those lines. And I did it. That's so fast. Nah. <laughs> I'm like, y'all are bugging me. <laughs> Well, this is why, this is why I was like, I'm glad I screened them because, yo, who knows, you know, you're getting up in class and they come with this crazy activity. Yeah, that was a good idea. And I ain't going to be the one on the news, like, it's just in Professor of New York. (laughs) And black, black put a drag you. Oh, I'd be so, yeah, I'd be so done. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. Uh, Speaking of being so done, um, a Republican mayor in Maine had to step down after some of his text messages were linked. Leaked. Uh, this Maine mayor referred to elderly black people in text messages as antique farm equipment. What? Yes. And I guess he's referring to, I guess, I don't know, slave labor. I, I don't know. But he stepped down because it's so ridiculous. Yeah, that's wild, man. What's up with these politicians, man? Still <laughs> saying these ridiculous things like on record or around people and then getting caught up. Like, at least, at least they're getting, they're getting caught, though. That's a good thing. Because we don't want, want them in office with those kind of viewpoints and perspectives, man. Yeah. And was um, there a story, too, about... Uh, a woman, um, I don't know, she was in Maryland. Uh, I think she was. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I think she's like a state representative or a state, you know, senator or something like that. And I don't, I can't remember the. She remark. was talking about PG County and she before that as the nigga district. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
wilding, yo. Yeah, because she didn't so want to knock on doors or something. Yeah. Like, didn't want to campaign in that area. Like, come on, y'all. Just some things you should just know way you should know better, man. And then coming out with all these apologies after the fact. And then apologize. Go ahead and step down and say your goodbyes. And see, this is why we need... I don't know. We need better representation um, because the people that have these mindsets are the people who are responsible for creating laws that benefit everybody. Do you really think they're going to be benefiting everybody when they think of black people as the N word or maybe um, Latino people as like derogatory word or like Mm -hmm. any other person? Do you really think Mm -hmm. they're going to have our back? Yeah, that's true. And the funny thing is, she's a Democrat, right? And so they be getting the black vote. And then, but yeah, she don't want to go knock on black doors. That's the thing. Some Democratic politicians are just really building the case that some people have to say, like, they're all the same. Because that's why a lot of people did not want to vote for Hillary in 2016. They're like, oh, Democrats and Republicans are all the same. Trump and Hillary, they're both the same. And it's kind of like, with as many Democrats who have come out with these like crazy uh, racist stories or antics, it's kind of like, how can you argue with that? How can you push people to say, hey, we really need to get out this Democratic vote to yeah. you know get so and so out when, you know, they can point to all of these incidents over the past couple years to be like, these people aren't going to serve my interests. Yeah, very true. <laughs> very true. Mm. So, yeah, that sucks. But speaking of, you know, there are some politicians out here trying to do some good. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is kind of one of those stories. So last year, um, a school in Sugar Land, Texas, was supposed to be, uh, you know, beginning like groundbreaking to build a new school. Well, while they were digging, they actually found the graves of 95 freed slaves who were used as like prison labor. So I don't know if people know this, but after slavery officially ended, a lot of states created black codes as a way of criminalizing uh formerly enslaved uh, African Americans Mm -hmm. and you know they would be arrested and you know given sentences for like things like loitering or you know if they didn't have money on them they couldn't prove that they you know had jobs so vagrancy just like ridiculous things and so they would arrest them try them immediately and then put them to work Uh, they Mm -hmm. called it like uh, prisoner yeah 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 convict Mm -hmm. leasing And uh, it is suspected that these 95 uh, graves were people who were a part of like the convict leasing scheme. And Mm -hmm. a state representative, uh, Ron Reynolds, actually wants to kind of right that wrong and has proposed $95 million in reparations to the descendants of the 95 victims of the convict leasing system in Sugarland. Land. Mm, mm, interesting. Yes. Uh, the representative also wants to replace the Confederate monument in the Capitol with a plaque to honor the victims of convict leasing, wants to commission a study to determine the legacy of convict leasing and to establish a museum to educate on the history of convict leasing. Because 
you know, a lot of these businesses after uh, slavery ended were like economically depressed and they institute instituted a new form of slavery, which helped to build a lot of businesses that are still in business today. Yep. There's this book called Slavery by Another Name, and the author actually names some of the companies. I can't remember them off the top of my head, but it's an amazing book. Mm -hmm. And, you know, major companies that started like in the late 1800s, early 1900s, a lot of them were built by essentially slave labor because they were arresting black people for stupid crimes, trying them on the spot and sentencing them to work labor mm-hmm. and leasing them out to different states. So, you know, when they say black people built this country, they weren't just talking about, you know, the 400 years of chattel slavery. We're also talking about convict leasing, just mm-hmm. a lot of stuff. Yep. Yep. No. Nah, yeah. Douglas Blackmon uh, wrote that book, Slavery mm-hmm. by Another Name. And you're right. It follows the time period post-slavery, Civil War, up until World War II, and pretty much shows how slavery was just repackaged mm-hmm. <laughs> and, re- mm-hmm. and repurposed in a lot of ways. Um, so, yeah, definitely suggest taking out that book. But, you know, and that, the, also the point about reparations, too, I think we'll, we should touch that um you know, in the last episode of the month when we kind of talk about particular things uh, and reparations should be because a lot of the like Democratic candidates, that's been like a people have been asking those questions about reparations. Do they believe in reparations and stuff like that and kind of what that looks like? So I think that'd be interesting to talk about as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to uh, pour this little tea a little bit. Mass incarceration is slavery by another name as well. <laughs> yes, it is. When we think about uh you know, imprisoned individuals fighting wildfires for like $1 a day or whatever the crazy amount was. That's wild. (laughs) Come on now. That's that's slavery too. So. Mm -hmm. It is. It is, man. So we got to really have real conversations about this and know it has not ended. It just looks different. It just looks A little bit more hidden. Mm -hmm. Oh, child. Because when we talk about when Kamala Harris's office argued about how releasing the nonviolent offenders would impact the labor. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like that should not go into the calculations or any type of considerations for when we're trying to release people. Yeah, people like impress the labor, people would lose jobs, la la la. Yo, that's this is <laughs> like I, I've talked to CEOs before and they were like, you know, essentially like their job, you know, since if you care about your job, it's like you want to work yourself out of a job, right? You don't mm-hmm. want these people to come back, mm-hmm. um, is the idea. And so if you're like, oh, we need you here so we can keep working no that's not the way the system should work yeah uh, so it's kind of sick in a lot of ways and and the whole nonviolent thing is like you know everybody wonders why america's incarceration rates are so much higher than the other countries and the large part of the reason we 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 punish violent crimes on the same rate as other countries but when it comes to nonviolent offenses we're just way more punitive than other countries. Mm-hmm. And so this is why, like, yeah, nonviolent offenses are the ones that are targeted as far as getting released because other countries don't even lock up people who commit a lot of their nonviolent offenses. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it begs the question, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. 
Well, today, um, you know, we've talked about narratives from the past. And today mm-hmm. we're going to be t- speaking with someone who's trying to, you know, shape narratives related to the Black American com- uh, community in a 21st century and is doing it, you know, in business form. Yeah. Yeah. Today we'll be um, interviewing a guy by the name of Kirk Brown who is the founder of what is known as Melanin Meetups, uh, which is based out in L.A. And, you know, he has a business, he's a background in business. And um, it's a really cool, uh, uh, I guess, uh, platform that he's been building. He's going to we're going to talk a lot about it during the interview and shed more light about it. But it's just actually a way for like kind of us young black millennials to, to connect, um, share their own lived experiences, talk about things, a way advancing their community and a lot of other things. And I think and, and they're moving forward for a lot of other cool ideas that we'll talk about. He'll share during the interview, too. But I think it's like a pretty cool look of like. You know, we talk about business and in traditional forms of bringing in revenue and profit. But this is also like business in a way to like get the community engaged and and keep conversations moving forward, almost like a think tank, if you will. Yeah. 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 Isn't that what he called like a think platform? What does he call it? I think so. I think something like that. I can't remember. Yeah. 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 Uh, So, yeah, it's cool. You know, I feel like he's doing the the work that we're trying to do on BHD in live format, you know, have these conversations, you know, talk about these ideas. So really cool to have him on and ready to, you know, start the conversation. All right. You ready to get to it, Dad? All right. So we'll catch up with y'all afterwards. For today's episode, we continue our focus on highlighting the work and experiences of Black business owners by interviewing Kirk Brown, the founder of Melanin Meetups. This LA-based organization was created as a safe space where young Black Americans can connect to share experiences, ideas, and insight in order to heal and advance themselves and the community. During our conversation, we discuss Kirk's vision for Melanin Meetups, how the platform is working to shape the future of Black America's narrative in the 21st century, and advice on how others can begin to mobilize through ideas, discussions, and differences in their own communities. Welcome, Kirk Brown. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, we're so excited to have this conversation. Yes, for sure, for sure. Um... So one of the things we like to do, Kirk, before we get into, you know, the nitty gritty of the interview and kind of what you do is have our guests introduce themselves to our audience. So tell us a little bit about yourself, about yourself, who's Kirk and kind of what you do. Cool. So my name is full name, Kirk Kennedy Brown, uh, raised in Virginia, military brat, uh, went to school in Philly at UPenn, did the Wharton School um, from there, worked a little bit in New York um, and then came out here to Los Angeles, where I'm currently based. Um, as of right now, I am a marketing manager at a fintech company um, by day, but by night, I am building out Melanin Meetups, which I'm uh, incredibly proud of and, and pushing forward in 2019. So nice, nice. Okay, okay, you fancy Wharton, honey. <laughs> <laughs> hey. <laughs> I'll just I'll say, but no, congrats, congrats, congrats. <laughs> that's, that's really big. You're doing it. Um, so, you know, you are, uh, you know, you're a businessman by day, but I mean, mm-hmm. Melanin Meetups is also a business, but it also seems to like branch out into the social world. So can you give us more details about Melanin Meetups um, and why you decided to start this platform, especially when you have a day job? <laughs> Right. Uh, So Melanin Meetups, the way that I brand it, first and foremost, I've always been fascinated by the think tanks within this country. And um, 
I wanted a, a think platform, as I call it, or a think tank to speak to young black Americans. So essentially what Melanie Mios is, is a think platform where young black professionals uh, meet monthly to connect and develop and find solutions to help heal, first and foremost, heal and advance um, the black American community. Um, and for me, what started it, we started it last year, uh, excuse me, April, last year, 2019, April 2017. <laughs> um, and what what inspired me to do was partly because of the election of 2016, as that was, uh, I believe, a sh- not necessarily a shock <laughs> to some of us, but it was still nevertheless eye-opening. Um, and it made me, uh, you know, how it made me wonder, you know, how, how do we how do we want to move forward in the 21st century, the black American community and what do we want to look like? Um, and I always tell the story uh, when I was the, the story that I always tell is that in second grade, uh, Miss Gilbert's class, I'll never forget, we had to map out a tree of our lineage. And for me, I could only go back so far, as is the story for most, I feel, black Americans within this country. And everybody else was talking about how their great greats were like on the uh, the Mayflower, this, that, and the third. And so that always struck a chord with me about my identity and and where I stood in this country. And um, that was part of the reason why I wanted to create Melanie Meetups is uh, I wanted us, while we're not a monolith, um, I wanted us to begin to connect and create a, uh, begin to develop our narrative and create a stronger narrative moving forward in the 21st century. Um, and begin to connect around certain themes and, and experiences, uh, which is why I created that safe space for us to do mm. when we meet monthly. Mm, nice. Um, I think it's, I think it's really interesting what you all are doing. And I think, you know, what are the major goals of Melanin Meetup? Um, you know, I know you say you want to change the narrative and stuff like that, but what does that, I guess, tangibly look like? Gotcha. Um, so when we come to the meetups, there's three things that we try to focus on. And the first thing is we, we try to question um, America's civic religion and how it pertains to our experience. So that means asking the tough questions, if you will, you know, do how do we feel about the founding fathers? How do we feel about the labels around um, how we define ourselves? You know, what do, how do we feel about certain holidays within this country? Just asking questions that I feel like need to be asked. And it's always fascinating to see, um, to see what types of answers come from that. But nevertheless, those are the conversations that we need to start discussing. The second thing is leveraging industry as again, my, my background is business. Um, so with that being said, I, you know, I encourage people to try to understand the, the structures of this, this country, and that is capitalism. Um, so with that being said, when we begin to leverage industry, you know, I don't have experience in AI or the medical field, but there are people that come here to these meetups that do, and they say, hey, look, these are some of the things that we're working on. Here's uh, some of the solutions that we're coming up with. Um, here's what we need to be on the lookout for moving forward in the 21st century as it pertains to the black American community. So we connect through that. And then the third thing is simply connecting and understanding um, our shared experiences. When the, the people that come to uh, come to my house um, each month, we've got LGBTQ AI, we've got Muslim, we've got Christian, we've got all these different walks of life within the black American community. Um, that touch on experiences that some that some people have never heard of or um, um, know nothing about, and um, and to to watch that happen too is fascinating. So with those three things working in motion, um, that's what I believe will will begin to help facilitate um, 
the, the a stronger narrative, if you will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in thinking about, um, you know, you have people from such diverse professional backgrounds and, you know, they bring a lot of uh, insight and knowledge from different, you know, pers- experiences. Pers- they bring a lot of insight and knowledge from different experiences and perspectives. How did you get the word out to build such a, a, a diverse set of minds to come together for this? You know, it's that's a good question. I I just I honestly um, it's funny. Sorry, I'm taking a moment because it's actually hilarious because I'm just I just kind of just put myself out there um, and just started again. I was new to L.A. Um, with the with the I, I, I guess I had surrounded myself with with um, good, headstrong people from the community um, and told them, hey, look, this is what I'm trying to do. Um, they helped me spread the word. I launched a Facebook group, a po- private Facebook group, um, and began to loop them in. They began to let their friends come in um, and just started blasting it out on social. And that was um, the people that I was attracting to this, uh, to these groups. You know, they were young professionals. Um, and again, you know, we're out here on the front lines um, every day, the young professionals. Um, you know, I think people are so used to kind of seeing like celebrities from our community speak out or, you know, whether they be politicians, but the ones who are really on the front lines that have to deal with, you know, whether it's microaggression or whether, you know, experiences that are really um, impactful to them deal with that on a day-to-day basis. And so we were just all kind of connecting and sharing our stories and word traveled and more people started coming each month and I just grew it from there. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Nice. You know, thinking about that, too, and even from your background, you know, you're saying in marketing and stuff like that. And um, I mean, from your own experience, do you have any examples of situations? And I'm sure you do of when you had to handle like microaggressions um, in the workplace and navigating around those situations. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I had grown out my hair um, probably 2017 to 2018. It was pretty high. And a guy at work he's new to america (laughs) he's probably been here for maybe about three four years Mm. but he touched my hair oh wow (laughs) and i said but but then i i stopped him and i said he's like oh it's just it looks different it's just it's very like spongy and my whole thing was this i said well i said i won't name his name but i was like you got a lot to learn with regards to uh, american culture first and foremost but then the second thing is I said, do you not respect personal space? I said, that's just, that's just, you know, just inappropriate. Um, mm-hmm. And he kind of looked at me uh, like he was baffled, but like, but yeah. Um, you know, the, these little things that we have to deal with on a day-to-day basis, they're real. They are real. Um, and uh, yeah, that is um, it's such a huge issue. You know, I actually thought you were going to say that, you know, maybe your company had, you know, said something about you growing out your hair because that's been a, a huge issue. But touching of the hair, that's a that's an issue as well. Like Solange said, don't don't touch. Don't touch. <laughs> um so in, in thinking about your platform, Melanin Meetups, I guess, what are some of the most interesting um, discussions um, or takeaways that have come from some of the discussions uh, that you've had thus far? Uh, the, the one that pops out the most, it was probably about two months before Charlottesville, 
and I had asked the question uh, when they when the when people come to the meetups, I distribute um, surveys because that's what kickstarts the conversation. Um, and one of the questions that I asked was, uh, you know, how do we should we still honor, which is a valid question, should we still honor um, and deify, if you will, the the founding fathers of this country given their track record? Um, you know, with Thomas Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson, and Sally Hemings, and, and George Washington, you know, tracking down one of his slaves and uh, spent three years, I think, looking for a slave um, after she left. All of these types of things, and it was the most fascinating thing. There was probably about 30 people in the room, and it was split. Um, people, some people were saying, you know, I think that maybe we shouldn't hold, I mean, what they did was wrong, but at the same time, you know, they, um, you know, this is our country. And the other half of the room said, you know, we, we shouldn't, what, why, why do we have to honor, um, those who were, were, uh, you know, believed in slavery, believed in this chattel system and essentially created this chattel system that, and this caste system, um, that we still have, we still see the effects today. And, um, that was very telling. And it was very powerful to watch people from my community kind of go back and forth and, um, you know, but again, these conversations are things that I want us to begin to have. And it's nothing to do, it has everything to do with us. And I always put the emphasis back on us. It has nothing to do with anybody else but us. How do we want to move moving forward? What issues, um, you know, or, or things do we want to talk about? Um, so yeah, and then literally a few months later, that's when Charlottesville happened, and uh, that was that was telling. Mm. So. You know, that's interesting um, because I think, like you said, one of the things you said earlier on, and what a lot of people say when we talk about the black community is that we're not monolithic in a lot of ways, right? Which mm-hmm. is true. And I think even when the thing like in Charlottesville, Charlottesville happened, um, and I, just a lot of times we just automatically assume that when it comes to these historical images. And whether they be statues or whatever kind of um, historical representation of things that may be linked to slavery, um, the idea is that maybe all black folks are against it, right, or feel one type mm-hmm. of way about it. But you just highlighted even within your conversations that no, nah, I mean within our community, there are people who feel like oh, it's not maybe not may not may not be that big of a deal, or may not feel as strongly mm-hmm. as far as about dismantling um, these statues and, and these things that have particular historical representations. Um, so I think that's pretty cool that, like you said, that these discussions are happening in these spaces, and it just highlights that that very point that uh, we shouldn't just take for granted that everybody feels the same way when these events happen, right? That we all feel the same way and want to see the same things happen. There are probably many of us who feel differently about it, and all voices should be heard, you know, before moving right. forward. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty cool. Right. And that's what I, I want to create, that safe space to where we can begin to have these conversations and um, you know, begin to talk mm-hmm. and, and begin to just figure figure us out. Because um, it's a fascinating time to be, if you will, black in this country, in this country specifically. It is a fascinating time. Um, and you're watching this kind of, in my opinion, kind of like look around and say, okay, well, you know, how, how do we want to move forward? You know, what, what do we look like in the 21st century? All of these things are happening. Um, and thank God for technology because it's connecting us even even more. But you know what? Now what do we want? What's our ask? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and and that's what I want to keep pushing towards. So. Mm-hmm. 
Nice. And, you know, um, I guess my next question goes along with that, too, right? Because having these discussions is one thing and and getting everyone's voices heard and on the table and then trying to figure out what the next moves would be. Um, and so what are some of, I guess, the action items um, that have come from this platform? I noticed on your website, I've seen you highlight particular people running for public office in some way. I see that you have a blog and stuff like that. Um, so what are, can you explain that a little bit more for our audience? You know, what are some of the things that have come out of these conversations? Right, so we started to, we started taking the polls again when, when we began this thing in 2017 and we kind of said, you know, in terms of the first items that we want to begin to tackle where we can begin to create change was on the political front and the excuse me the political slash education front as well as um, the entertainment front for the time being and so we decided to begin to raise funds this year excuse me last year for the um the midterms um for political candidates running in the midterms and um sorry wait i messed up (laughs) so we started to raise funds Four political candidates in, in the midterms of, of 2018, um, and one, one of two of the candidates, excuse me, uh, went on to become uh, or to essentially, you know, rewrite the narrative and, and break historical ground. One was Everson Blair Jr. became the first melanated person in Gwinnett County's history to be on the board of education in nice. its 200-year history. Another one was Malcolm Kenyatta, who became the first openly gay. Um, they're saying candidate of color to to win a Pennsylvania House seat. So things like that. It's all about we're coming from different walks of life um, and we want to um, continue to support candidates um, from our community that are from different walks of life and that are breaking ground um, and that can help us create uh, um, the change that we want and also help us to to push our message out there. Um, and then add on to that you know with the blog blog 7035 the the meaning behind that is that's rosa parks prison number um and what i what i wanted to do with that is to you know we come from to be proud of that um for lack of better words to just be proud of that um that we've always been at the forefront of 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 empathy if you will of, of fighting for human rights and um always pushing forward toward this ideal of, of the American experiment. Um, and we started, I, I wanted to interview, you know, young black professionals, influencers, celebrities more so in that space of how they're using their platform in today's day and age to um, be unapologetically black and what, what they are doing um, for their community in terms of going back to that business mindset strategy, you know, um, how are they building what they're building? How are they connecting? How are they giving back? What what ideas and solutions can you um, give from your own industry that we can essentially apply to other industries? Um, so that's the second thing. And then the third thing is what I want, what we're doing actually this year, we're gonna launch hopefully on Juneteenth is a conference that I'm calling Illuminate where, where, where we invite young black professionals um, and influencers to come out and speak from different sectors and industries about ideas and solutions um, and challenges that we're going to face as a, as a black American community on the international front, domestic front, um, and the internal front, meaning mental health and all that good stuff. So, um, yeah. Nice. That, that's, that's so awesome. It really is. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. One thing that I was thinking about, and it, it relates to something you mentioned before, like keeping a pulse on, um, you know, what members are thinking and, and helping that to guide your discussion. But I also saw on your site that you have the intentions of uh, publishing a report based on like the cultural surveys that you do at, you know, every meetup. So um, I guess, can you tell us a little bit more about that? What do you hope to uh, accomplish by, you know, publishing uh, a report on these cultural surveys? So for me, that goes back to the the model of cre- creating like a white paper report um, and, you know, aligning the, the vision with uh, more so the think tank. Um, and those reports, I want us to, I want to push out um, through the research that we've collected, um, but push out to the community and, um, you know, let them know like this is where we're at. You know, this is what, this is what we're kind of thinking um, to get the conversation going. Um, and to get more people involved uh, and in order to create, in order to um, begin to build out a way forward, if you will, or direction of how we want to, of what we want our narrative to look like in the 21st century um, and how we want to move forward. Um, so the questions that we ask at these meetups um, and the answers as a result, um, you know, one of the questions that I asked, you know, do we believe that we're incredibly fragmented as a community? And 96% of the people within Melanin Meetups had agreed, yes, we are incredibly fragmented. And I want to push out those reports uh, and get the conversation going. Don't ask me how I'm going to get them out just yet, one day at a time. But, <laughs> um, but I definitely want that to um, begin to be pushed out to our community and, you know, have us begin to, again, focus on us mm. and, and what we want. Mm. Um, so, yeah. You know, um, this is just a quick thought I've had, too, and because I'm just, you know, somebody who's listening to what you all do and what I feel like would be super interesting. And I'm not sure if you all thought about this or even if everyone feels comfortable with this. But I feel like because you already have this platform set up, if there was a way to um, document these conversations in some capacity, right, um, mm. maybe if they were, you know, maybe filmed and put on the Facebook group or a Facebook live group or something like that or, or on YouTube, um, if people, of course, were comfortable with it, it's an idea where, you know, it may just serve as a, a space where people can go and actually listen and hear these different kinds of dialogues and perspectives. And I think that can even be really meaningful in a learning experience, you know, um, right. just, just, just hearing about what you all talk about and the kind of conversations you have. I think, you know, creating even broader access. Like you said earlier, technology is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful tool. Um, and you can reach, you know, you guys are based out there in the West Coast, but it can reach people in many different areas of the country or even the world, if, you know, if that's a right. goal of yours. Yeah. And you know, I thought, and I did, and, and it's something that, I've, I, that I wanna do, um, but I also too, it's, it's all, sometimes I feel like I walk a fine line because I want people when they come here to feel safe and mm-hmm. be fearless in what they want to say and it gets i'm telling you it gets it gets pretty heated um because we cover a lot of ground um you know from everything and so what i do i do try to I, that's something that i do want to implement in 2019 but i do try to follow up with notes in our private facebook group or our listserv and say you know these are some of the things that we covered and some people will email me back and say hey i'd like to you know talk about this or here goes my opinion on that so that's great um but yeah no i I definitely it's 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 interesting because even i i i've gotten some questions about you know the white paper reports some people have been frank and candid and i love that Mm -hmm. um and melanie so just like you know i don't necessarily know 
maybe you should do that, Kirk, because you know what happens when we begin to put out information about ourselves and, you know, mm-hmm. history has shown us, history has shown us some things of, of what happened. Like, and so I get it. And that's a written, but again, these are real fears and concerns. Sure. And um, when, you know, when black coalesces, it's always met with some form of resistance. I understand that too. So it's, I'm, I'm doing the, I guess what I'm saying is I'm, I'm trying to do the best I can based on what history has taught me. I think we're all trying to do the best we can mm-hmm. in the 21st century, especially our generation and what history has taught us um, and, and how to move forward. But I, but I, to your point, you know, I agree. I believe that um, I, I, I talk about being unapologetic in every bit of the sense, but at mm-hmm. the same time, I, I do try to, um, um, understand where certain people are coming from, and and I get it. Oh yeah, so, oh yeah. yeah I hope for that sure. answers. Oh no, no, for real. Those are those are real concerns, you know. And I was just throwing that out there, um, just something to potentially yeah, think yeah. about. Of course, and you seem like you would take all the right considerations. Um, keep that in mind with those who get involved. And of course, well, I'm only imagining to be something that people would. Who people who would want to contribute in that fashion and not mind, not mind having those conversations, being a public sphere, uh, you know, participate for sure, and you continue right. to have the 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 safe space element for sure for those who would like to be a part of um, that in that capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, uh, you know, one of my follow up questions too is, um, you know, one, I wanted you to kind of give advice to people who may be thinking about starting up. Uh, something similar to melon meetups, right? In their own communities, in their own in their own cities, towns, etc. But before we even get to that, I think the question that I had in mind too is, you know, what do you say? Because you're in you're in a position that I'm not really familiar with, right? Maybe working in corporate and and being a person of color in this in this in this world. And I often hear stories or narratives, and you kind of express some of that too. That it's very difficult sometimes to go out on that ledge because those spaces are very much different than academic spaces where it may be the norm to be part of a group that's you know for black folk or whatever it is right or to create something that's for black folk so what would you say to somebody that's sitting maybe in a position that is similar to yours maybe occupation etc and that wants to partake or be vocal in these kind of situations but they may not feel as comfortable because of their profession how would you help give them advice to kind of navigate out of that situation you know what i say in 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 I'm, I'm, I'm going to break this down and because it's very, it's a, your question is very complex and it, but it needs to be, it's, it's complex because of, because we're complex. Mm-hmm. And I mean, black Americans, we are very complex. We're very nuanced. Mm-hmm. Um, so my parents, right. I'm from, they're from the South and they raised me in two different worlds. As I say, they, knew the world that I was going to grow up in within this country. They saw that. They went through that. Um, so they gave me that history. But then they also gave me a the real history. So that's something that we, in general, as Black Americans, we balance every day. We are able to go in and out of these. We're incredibly nuanced. We're able, we're able to go in and out of these worlds. And we operate with a sense of reality. With that being said, um, this is what I will tell people, and it's hard, and I understand it, trust me, but you are already a walking truth. And what I mean by that is your existence in this country is truth. You can't hide that. You can't hide it. And what I mean by that is there, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. 
And um, you have to embrace all of you. You have to trust yourself, um, but know that you can't hide who you are. You literally cannot hide who you are. Your skin is heavily melanated. <laughs> You've got um, your nose is, is uh, maybe protruding. You have bulbous lips. You've got kinky curly hair. You may be tall. You may be short. You may be tall. It doesn't matter, but you are a walking truth within this country. You are the truth. Um, and that's what I always say. It's like, if not now, when? Do not be afraid. And I know it's a lot easier said than done. But don't be afraid to speak out. Don't be afraid to um, fight for yourself, to show up for yourself. Um, and I do believe this is part of the, this is truly one of the reasons why I launched Melanin Meetups is because, because we are, are trying to, we black Americans have always done a fantastic job of, of taking um, things that were, um, taking things and making them great. Um, even their identity, just taking things and be okay, well, you know, essentially we don't have an identity. We don't know where we, really, black Americans specifically, we don't have really a great understanding of where we come from, but we're gonna, we're gonna turn it into something great. That is a powerful narrative. And the more we begin, or, excuse me, the more we begin to honor uh, that narrative that, you know, we come from a human chattel system, that even my own lineage is tied up in this mess. But nevertheless, our resilience is so powerful um, and we, be, we begin to honor that narrative, whether it be through, you know, symbols or uh, anything, messaging, whatever. And we begin to unite around that. Um, that gives more strength to um, being more truthful and unapologetic and you don't have anything to worry about. But until that time comes, I would just encourage, um, I would really encourage people who are looking to do this, these types of things in America and you are black, you identify as black, um, to know that you can't you can't hide who you are you cannot hide who you are there's no re there's no reason to be afraid and i know it's a lot easier said than done but there's no reason to be afraid um so yeah nice no appreciate that. thank you that yeah. was really powerful mm -hmm. um and as it, no that's a good <laughs> message so <laughs> yes embrace it folks embrace it um so this has been like a really, really interesting uh, discussion. And, that, you know, we've asked a lot, but we also want to give you a platform to, you know, be able to, you know, say something or talk about something that we didn't ask you about. So is there, you know, anything that we didn't discuss that you'd like to mention? Um, I would like to say, I, I, you know, I am a student of history. Um, and I, I did want to say this. It's it's fascinating, and it ties into your podcast, especially with the name. You know, you have an Ivy League educated guy like myself, and I'm finding out more about my history through Instagram and memes, and that is so powerful, and it's very telling. Um, and I would just encourage. Um, people throughout the community, um, specifically black Americans, dig and fight for your history. Um, try to understand as much as possible um, because the more that you begin to understand and search for your history, the more you begin to understand yourself, 
Um, and that narrative and that identity becomes so much stronger. You become a lot more proud. Um, I can talk to you about European history till I'm blue in the face. That was something that was taught. And everything else my parents basically taught me, but you know, they only know so much either. They didn't grow up in the internet age. So I would just really encourage the people that are listening to this um, to really begin to fight for your history. And whether it's going on Wikipedia, you see a name that you see, it comes across in an article in Blavity or something, you, you're like, well, I want to find out more about it. Do it. Do it. Take two minutes out of your day to just do it. Mm-hmm. Um, because that creates a, a, a stronger identity for you and it gives you purpose. So mm-hmm. that's the one thing that I want to leave, leave your audience this with. Nah, appreciate that, man. Really appreciate that. Um, I do got one more question before we, uh, before we head out. Uh, it's kind of a funny question. Does anyone ever think that the name of the website Melinda Meetups. Do they ever think it's a uh, dating website? <laughs> no, no, I don't, no one, no one's told me that yet. Okay. No, no. The re- the reason I asked is because I was sit- I was on a laptop sitting next to my wife when when I was plugging in your website doing some research, and then um, I guess she saw the name like Melinda Meetups, and she looked at me like Negro, what are you doing? <laughs> And I didn't think of it at first. I'm like, what you mean? I looked at the name. I said, oh, I can see where you can take this. But no, this is not what <laughs> that's, that's about. <laughs> though. You know, that's interesting because I'm telling you, my, my background is marketing. And that's uh, that's pretty interesting that you said that. So Yeah, it was just funny. That's why I was just asking you that question, man. Um, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, when you click the site, it's all serious. You're like, wait, what? Yeah, like, like, it's like, no, it's not what you think, babe. It's not what you think. Relax, relax. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, plus, I'll be crazy to try to do that right next to her anyway. That'd be psycho, right? Uh, I know. Kill me. Um, but no, it was, it's been a great conversation, man. Tell us, tell our listeners where, where they can find you, social media, all that kind of stuff. Great. So you can find us on melaninmeetups.org. That's M as in mom, E-L-A-N-I-N, and then meetups. Um, we have a private Facebook group. Um, and you just type in Melanin Meetups, and you're right there. And then I'll go ahead and let you come in. Um, and then I encourage you to please join our listserv because that's where I send out invites for, um, especially right now, it's all based in the Los Angeles area for the meetups. Um, but we are going to expand. But nevertheless, if you're in the Los Angeles area specifically, you know, um, regardless, just join our listserv. Um, but if you're in the um, Los Angeles area, please um, feel free to come to our next meetups. And you can find us on Instagram at MMUPSX. Awesome, and we'll be sure to tag those in the description when we uh, air this episode for sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Thank you, guys. No, thank you. Thank you. Yo, yo, Dad, so what you think about Kirk Brown coming joining us today about Melanin Meetups? I thought it was an awesome um, conversation. I think the platform is really great. It reminds me a lot of BHD in terms of like trying to have real conversations, um, trying to have um, dialogue with many different perspectives as a way to, you know, potentially create change. And um, I think it's an awesome platform. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I think... uh, Sometimes, and you know, I know we've had conversations about this in our podcast before with other folks, and I think it's just something to reiterate as well. Like me and you, you know, we're in academic spaces, so I think naturally we get a lot of these kind of conversations. We have a lot of these dialogues, right, when we're in those settings. Um, but then we have to think about 
many folks, most of the folks who are not in these academic settings anymore, mm-hmm. or professional settings who are, who may, like, like Kirk said, he was only one of two black folk working where he works. Um, and so you kind of crave that. If you want that kind of dialogue or have these kind of, kind of, kind of conversations, you're not in those spaces anymore. And so it's tough. Um, so it really makes a lot of sense to create these platforms to create these spaces for people who want to come together and have these have this dialogue or just express themselves or or it can be therapeutic, you know, a release or whatever's going on um, because they're not just naturally there like how it may be for other folks. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like sometimes when I'm at home, I'm like, I need to watch some TV because, you know, I have these types of conversations and sometimes I need to get away from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you think about, you know, depending on the sector you work in, you actually might not be able to have these conversations. It could be taboo in the workforce. And I just really like the fact that it's people from so many different sectors Mm -hmm. Um, because we all, regardless of your professional background, regardless of, you know, the degree you have, we all have experiences and, and different perspectives that we can bring to the table. And I feel like when you have a meeting of the minds, that's just so diverse in that way, you can't help but to win. You know, that's mm-hmm. a winning situation. Mm-hmm. And this is really powerful, too, because it's just like when you start off with just conversation with such mm-hmm. a diverse group and then I feel like any action that comes from that, from those particular conversations will be probably way more impactful because mm-hmm. they've covered so many perspectives and also they're going to have way more, way a lot more buy in from mm-hmm, the different mm-hmm. people, right, that are part of it. And everybody's going to be more supportive of it from whatever networks they're a part of because they've had a voice in the process. Um, so I think that that blueprint is really powerful, right? And I think it needs to be implemented in a lot more spaces for sure. One thing I can say is I like the idea of the Juneteenth conference as well as the, uh, you know, white paper report that he wants to use from some of the, some of the data that he's collected. Um, considering the fact that we are researchers, I love data and I'm pretty sure you do mm-hmm. too. So the fact that, you mm-hmm. know, writing a report or generating conversation based on real data I think that's so important I would definitely I would go to the conference um and I definitely read the white paper Mm -hmm. yeah it's funny you say that because even as he was talking about these things I'm like I'm like man like you know I had gave the suggestion of making these things public but in my my head also I'm like man this would be like great qualitative research like being a focus group but just sitting there and just 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 taking in the, the the topics of conversation and the various perspectives, you know, um, and being able to interview these folks, just like, I'm like, yo, this can be like really good information that we don't seem that much of, you know, these yes. kind of think tank spaces. Yeah. Know. And actually, you know, th- you know, creating a, you know, melanin or African-American based think tank and, and generating these ideas from our perspective it, this is a very innovative idea. I, mm-hmm. I just, I love it. Mm-hmm. For sure. I think we need to start building off these ideas somehow. You know, there's so many things, whether it be conferences, whether it be in some official capacity, um, because I like, like he said, and you know, I think we're all around the same age. I think part of our generation is that we have, especially post-Trump era, <laughs> like when he said, one of the reasons <laughs> is like you have all of these, you know, these you have access to technology. We know how to use it. And we have, we're, we're educated, college educated, maybe not everyone, but you have this kind of rigor, this, um, 
this inspiration to do something. And I think a lot of us are starting to do that. And I think we need to come together, figure out ways to come together, work together to make it even more impactful. You know, even like I'm really, um, I'm really excited. I'm really inspired by what I've seen them do with even just the election of the local politicians they had there or on the, not even the politicians, but like even to the, the board of ed, which is the first time in 200 years to having a person of color on that particular seat. I mean, that stuff is really, really meaningful. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that can, yeah, even just now when I'm thinking about it, it can really change the lives or protect, you know, students of color who are part mm-hmm. of that school district or whoever that oversees. Right. I'm um, just having that one person on that board will even cause white folk who are on that board to be careful of what they say or think. Right. Before mm-hmm. if there's nobody on there, just that presence alone, I think, will also be make a, a lot of extreme changes. So I think stuff like that, man, we just have a lot more conversations and actions oriented around that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, but nonetheless, you know, we like to say thanks, Kirk, for, for coming out to talk to us. All of you, be sure to check out Melanin Meetups. Um, again, it is not a dating website. All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> Although you might find your, your somebody. You may, you may find somebody, but that is not the intent. <laughs> but I can understand how you may think that, but it's not the intent. It would be a pretty cool dating website name, though, Melanin Meetups. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that's not the intent, folks. We're meeting up for for intellectual endeavors, okay? Yes. Um, uh, but no, nah, jokes aside, we really appreciate Kirk and what what he's doing, and we're going to continue to watch the growth of Melanin Meetups and support it as well, um, as we all should. You know, we're a community; we should always continue to do that. Um, mm-hmm. For those of us. For those of you who are new to the podcast, you know, continue to follow us or follow us on social media at BHD Podcast is our social media handle. Um, follow us on our website, www.blackandhollydangerous.com to keep up with all our latest content, whether it be the podcast, whether it be the blog posts, etc. Um, email us, bhdpodcast at gmail.com if you have ideas or like if you're like Kirk, you want to come on and you want us to, you know, Give, give light to your platform. Uh, we're always open to doing that, but just ideas. We always welcome all kinds of things as well. Yeah. And um, continue to rate us on iTunes. It's very helpful to us. If you listen to us, you appreciate the content, just do us that one favor, right? Rate us on iTunes. Um, and on top of that, share us with your friends, share us with your family, and share us with your enemies. And as always, continue to be the oppressor's worst fear. If you're interested in continuing this and other conversations, visit our website, blackandhollydangerous.com to subscribe to our email list, suggest topics, and participate in our discussion forums. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at BHD Podcast. And please don't forget to subscribe and rate our podcast on your favorite platform. And as always, continue to be the oppressor's worst fear. <laughs>